the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Ladies and sweet gentlemen, welcome to Oral Sessions. I am joined today by none other than a woman that I consider a powerhouse in the world of professional wrestling. A woman that I believe has not been given her proper flowers. I don't think that enough respect is slapped on this woman's name. From working at pretty much every promotion possible to being in the game for, geez, however many years, just grinding away. This woman gets the job done, whether it's in WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact. See her pop up everywhere and in roles from backstage interviewer, being a valet, being a manager, to stepping in the ring. This woman has worn every hat in the world of professional wrestling and um, even deemed by the great Paul Heyman as one of the, you know, a great mind in the world of professional wrestling. I am joined today by Maria Canellis. Just talking about her entire career, the ups, the downs, different promotions, what the differences are there, how much the wrestling business has changed from the time she stepped foot into where we're at now. This woman has really seen it all from so many different sides and through so many different lenses. So really cool to pick her brain. I loved having her on the show. I think that this woman really deserves a bigger pat on the back than what she gets. So let's get into it. Here she is. Here is Maria Canellis. so exciting. I'm pumped to have you on the show today. Um, and here's my fear is when I, I like sat down and honestly, I didn't think about it until I sat down and I put on my zoom and my camera came on. I was like, Maria's going to come on and her hair is going to look fucking spectacular as it always does. Well, thank you. I don't know if you know this, but Sinclair had a big like cyber attack on all of I don't the- know this. Yeah. Ransomware like craziness. So I've had to shoot a lot of like random stuff um, just in case we don't get our footage back. And so like I've been having to do my hair like every day this week and my makeup. And so like every interview I've done this week is like, oh, you look great. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I wish I could say like I did it just for this. But <laughs> if Pav's interviews are any example, usually I'm like in a bun and like ready to go. But yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're being held hostage. So Sinclair has a ton of news networks. So like this news network in Detroit, I think it was Detroit, had to actually do a drawing of what the weather was going to be. And they showed that on air. Shut up. They don't have any other graphics. So that's what they had to do. But hey, your hair looks great. So it is what it is when you have to have a reason to get out and get ready. And like we're in like, you know, staying at home life. It's nice to just feel like a regular person again. Oh, yeah, for sure. It like forces you to and it forces you to get into like a regiment. And so I guess ransomware could be a good thing. I feel like you are like always kind of ready to go, though, because even like I feel like every time I see you, you're ready to have like that 360 presentation. But even like after like having a baby, I feel like immediately you were just like, oh, I'm still in the game, bitches. And like I am here, did not miss a step. You've done that twice. It's very impressive. Thank you. I have a lot of help. Um, My mom lives three minutes from me. So like 
Having that is spectacular. And then I also have family that will fly into town from Massachusetts and help out too. I wear a lot of uh, baggy clothes right after giving birth. And so it gives the impression, fashionable baggy clothes, (laughs) but it gives the impression that, you know, hey, but no. And showers became sacred to me after both. Holy shit. I was just saying that to John. I was like, listen, I know like you get, I, I, the other day I was like, he fell asleep on the couch. I was like, I'm going to take the baby. I'm just going to let him have a nice quiet nap. And like, what a, what a fucking gift I just gave you. And when I'm like, what I need is like, just give me 10 minutes in the shower by myself. No one can get to me. It is luxurious. It's the best. I mean, now that we have Freddie, who's uh, three, about to turn four, she doesn't always take her afternoon now. And it used to be I'd get both Mm. kids down and then I was straight to the shower. Um, But now I don't Uh have that. So I have to wait until Mike comes off the road. He's been doing some um, some indie promotions here and there. And so now when he gets off the road, I don't even say hi to him. I'm literally like he hits the door (laughs) and I am up the stairs to the shower. I'm like, no, I smell (laughs) like, yeah, you know, whatever the babies were into the last couple of days. Like I need a detox. It's a nightmare. It's such a mess. No, it's so funny. Like just having that become your life. It is what it is. It's like you cope. You just do what you got to do. I'm like, well, I'm just going to layer up some more deodorant and hope for the best and call it a day. <laughs> Dry shampoo <laughs> and deodorant. Thank God. Because it ends up being at the end of the night when everybody goes to bed. I, I don't want to shower. I just want to sit on the couch and watch something terrible or or just binge watch whatever. Oh, totally. What are your go-to mindless television binging shows? So I've been really into like all this international foreign television right now. I watched Alice in Borderland. I watched Squid Games. Now I'm watching Better Than Us. So like all these different. Netflix has really been cranking those out too, though, because they have acquired so many foreign shows that they've dubbed over. And like, like Squid Games, a good example of that when I was like, oh, wait, this is dubbed over. It takes a second because they're like really good dubs. It doesn't always um, give you the exact same meaning. Sometimes I also keep the titles, um, the subtitles below. So I, if I put the two together, then I get like a more clear understanding of what's going on. But I love watching TV this way. And like, it's still interesting to me, just the nuances of different cultures and like just male, female relationships. And I find it so intriguing. It is great. I, yeah. I mean, I love just being able to like sink my teeth into a show. There's actually another, I don't know where it's from, maybe like Scandinavian or something, but this new Christmas show that just came out on Netflix. It's like a series, but it's dubbed over as well. Cause I went to click on it and I was like, Oh, this is also that same squid game dub over situation. Um, okay. I like to do just sort of like a profile on people when they come on the show and get a lot of background and you have literally done it all. You have been in this game for a while and you have worked in like every possible promotion pretty much. You have been in every role pretty much. What was the first thing that sparked your interest to be like wrestling is the world for me? There was a boyfriend that I had in high school that was huge into wrestling. So I would watch wrestling with him, but that was the time of like Stone Cold and The Rock and everything. And um, one day I was watching it with my boyfriend at the time and there's the Diva Search. And um, so I entered online and it was like dial up internet at the time. And like the form was just archaic that I was filling out online. And I had met Trish Stratus at a um, Stacker 2 event. 
And so I put her down as a reference. <laughs> That's a good reference. Good <laughs> way to get in. <laughs> I was like, she probably doesn't know me from a hole in the wall, but whatever. I'm doing it anyways. Yeah. A couple of weeks later, I see my photo. It's on Monday Night Raw. My parents had been recording all the Monday Night Raws at that time. Just in case, in case I was going to become a part of it. And so they were recording it. And so I rewinded it about 400 times. It was just me and like a picture <laughs> and like a white bikini. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how it all started. But the job that I wanted to have was a backstage interviewer. I knew that right off the get-go. Just because uh, Jonathan Coachman was a backstage interviewer at the time. And The Rock called him a popcorn fart. And it was like this big, like... I don't know. I just thought it was so cool. The interaction between the backstage interviewer and whoever it was they were interviewing. And it really emphasized those characters. That's really what sparked my interest in wrestling. Interesting, because I feel like the backstage interviewer, I mean, obviously I'm a little biased here, but I feel like it's not the thing that ever gets that much love because that is true. I mean, when there's those relationships and there's those dynamics, I mean, me and Gene Okerlund, of course, being the absolute master of that. but. Honestly, my time in WWE, that was one of my favorite things to do, too. I loved doing those backstage interviews as much as like, you know, my time there I was like, I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to take on more. It wasn't that I didn't like what I was doing. I just still wanted to like branch out and do other shit. But like, I loved doing those. They were like such fun interactions and so many moments of like, whether it was with like Samoa Joe or like Kevin Owens or even like Triple H and of course being able to like work with John in any capacity. But it was always a lot of fun. I love that. Did you enjoy your time doing that? I did. It's like the basis of my wrestling knowledge. It's just standing there and like hearing everybody around me talking about what they were going to do later on in their matches or character building or talking back and forth with the writers. So it was this strange feeling of being a fly on the wall in between takes or before we were able to film because it was always, you know, something's going on in the ring. And so you're waiting. And during that time of waiting, I asked questions or I just listened. What was some of like the best advice that you got while you were being that fly on the wall? One of the best things I learned was sometimes you're going to get terrible characters or sometimes you're going to get just bad material or it's just not going to make sense to you. But it's all about what you do with it. So it doesn't really matter what you're given. It's how you take it. It's just finding a way to make the most of it. And I also heard that from Trish. Um, Trish Stratus told me at one point, it doesn't matter what they give you. What matters is what you do with it. And it always stuck with me. I mean, that is really great advice. And you saying that, I mean, that is something that I've been able to see you implement. I mean, you know, even I mean, you and I only got to work together for a brief period of time. But when you came back and you were in WWE and you guys were doing the angle with Mike and they're calling him Mike Canellis and doing the pregnancy angle and all of that. I mean, you really took that situation and made the most of it. What is like your recollection of that um, that storyline that they want they they had you guys doing? Paul Heyman was the one that started the storyline with us, and I always trusted him, and I trusted Vision. And um, unfortunately, for whatever reason, it got cut short. But I knew that if it was able to grow and to last, we'd really be able to run with it. I wanted that payoff for Mike at the end. Unfortunately, he didn't get it. What was that payoff supposed to be? Him turning on me at the very end and becoming this big baby face to have that baby face run and to talk about his addiction struggles and coming back from addiction. And then I would come back from my maternity leave and then we could have that face to face at the end of all of that. But he was supposed to turn on me and the royal bitch I was at the time. 
And I was really looking forward to it because it was a great out. He turned on me. I leave. Peace out, home slice. I'm going to go get real big and pregnant and then I'll come back. But again, we had really fun moments and I can say I was the first pregnant champ. So that's fun. Yes. I mean, always nice to have a little history accolade, right? Just tag that on there because that will be yours forever. Done and done. (laughs) It's so weird because like I'll be signing that title now for the rest of my life. I'll be 80 years old. 24 seven champ, baby. First pregnant champ. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, my babies are now having grandbabies, you know, like so weird. What about your guys entrance music when you guys were coming out? Because I was definitely getting all sorts of heat. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, So when we were starting to make the plans to come back, I had called William Corgan and was like, you know, what do you think our entrance music should be? And he right out the bat was like, oh, my gosh, it has to be a love ballad. And I was like, kind of iffy about it. But he called it. He totally called it of what it should be. And I love that song. I wish I could take it with me. Oh, that's got to be so hard when you like get something that you're super attached. You're like, damn it. I don't have the rights to this. I don't get to own it. On to the next. Um, from when you started in in wrestling, I mean, as you, you know, as you just listed off the who's who in the wrestling world and all the different promotions you've been able to work into what you're doing now, how much has the wrestling world changed during that time? I mean, I know that's a loaded question, but you must have so many stories and so many different experiences. It's funny because I just feel like this bulldozer that's just like, nah, I don't care. I'm going to do it this way. Nah. And I just keep like going because I remember even having long conversations on what my Playboy was going to be and how I wanted it to be more fashion forward. It was a big Cindy Crawford. Like I loved her style. And I wanted to bring more of that vibe into wrestling and to make it more fashion forward and make it more pop culture-y. That was a fight. It was a fight even to get that, even, you know, something so sexualized at the time as a Playboy cover it was like, we want it to be more sexy. And I tried to get it black and white and they're like, no, we want it to be full color. It was full nude. Yeah, full nude. But like, so there were those conversations, even about something as sexual as that. You know, and everybody talks about, oh, well, time on TV. Well, we were all fighting backstage, like to get more time on TV. It was trying to stop Vince in the hallway or meet him in his office or whatever it was to just get a couple more minutes. And I remember when one match was told, oh, well, you did too many things like the guys. And I just remember the looks on those women's faces. Because that really was a thing for a while. They didn't want that wrestling style to be pure wrestling in that sense, right? Is that what they were doing? Like just too much actual wrestling? Yeah. They wanted the girls to be you know, more girly, I guess would be the word, the term for it. More feminine. Like cat fight situations. I didn't mind any of it. I was playing a role. I, of course, I wanted more time for the women that did know how to wrestle, um, that did get into this because of the wrestling. But unfortunately, you know, that just wasn't happening. So you know, eventually there was a little bit more and a little bit more given to us by the end. But I do remember after I had done uh, Celebrity Apprentice and I pushed hard after I had done Celebrity Apprentice, even before it came out. And I was like, no, it's going to take more money. It's going to take more of this, more of that to get me to stay. And that's when WWE and myself went our separate ways. Um, I wanted to be able to have more control over my character at the time. And so it's okay. You know, it all worked out for the best in that sense. 
And because of my time in Ring of Honor and other promotions, I was really able to spread my wings. And so the next time I came back into WWE, I came with a lot more confidence and the wrestling world had changed so much. So like it was interesting to come back and to see how much had changed and how much was the same. But that's how it goes. You know, you take what you can get and you also you do it inch by inch. It's not going to be overnight. What about the differences in some of the other promotions that you've been able to work in? I mean, from Ring of Honor um, to working in New Japan, what are some of the the key differences in, in transitioning into other promotions? When I left WWE, and as you know, with WWE, you have to pretty much stay to script, um, especially if you're um, one of the wrestlers or the talent. And so leaving WWE at 2010 and having to stick to that script, but then getting to Ring of Honor by 2011, I could do what I wanted. I didn't have a script most of the time to what I was going to say. And, you know, it really was the Briscoes that let me shine and be a strong female because of the Briscoe brothers. If you're able to get into a bit of a feud with them, it really solidified that women could be strong. And I always thank them. That storyline was a moment in my career. And it was every single one of those men in Ring of Honor that supported me and allowed me to have a say, whether it be in finishes of matches or if it was the direction of the storylines. And so for me, that was the biggest difference is being able to have so much say, even in the guys' matches that I wasn't involved with, they would ask me for advice. And so that was amazing. And then going to New Japan and being treated so respectfully And I had up my old locker room a lot of times because I was the only female on the show. And sometimes my locker room would be bigger than the guys. And so I'm like inviting people in. (laughs) Come on in. Awkward. Like, yeah. (laughs) Locker room's huge. Like, please come and join. And like, if I needed anything, they took care of me. Cause I was the first female they had had that was consistently on television in a while and that was consistently doing shows with them. So, like, for me, it was this weird experience of, oh, I'm so excited to be here. But then they were like, so just respectful of me being there. So we were like bowing at each other, like multiple times. Like, yes, thank you. And thank you. And it was great. And then impact, that was a whole nother ball game because I had the support of the entire writing staff, including Madison, who did such incredible things for me as far as confidence and having Gail Kim there and being able to, you know, run ideas past her and having David Lagana and Billy Corgan there again, it was like, they just let me run with it. And they had such good like direction, but I just went out there and they were like, okay, you got five minutes. And I was like, anything else? They're like, no, just go. So I would go out there with a microphone and be like, okay, I guess I'm feeling five minutes. That's a lot of pressure to like strike the balance between like what can be like sort of a rigid situation in WWE of like, here's your script, stick to it. Here you go. Learn it. Get out there. Go nail it. And then having the other stuff is like completely blank canvas and do what you want to do. Like that's a tall order. Because then, I mean, then truly, if you fall on your face, it's your fault. Did you feel that pressure? If I'm being honest, I was just so angry with WWE and how things had gone and, you know, just wanting to be respected at that time. Now I'm not angry, but when I was going through things with Ring of Honor and New Japan and Impact, I was angry. It gave me so much motivation 
And I'm not saying that was good motivation or bad motivation, but it certainly helped me a lot to find the words that I wanted to say at that time. Yeah. To be concise and be impactful and like just to really make your point and go out there and use that platform to like say your shit. You got to put a lot of thought into that to just like nail it, get it out there in a nice little package. I mean, I wanted to prove myself. And that was the thing is like every time I was out there, no matter what company it was, it was like, no, I can do this. You told me I can't, but now I can. And now I'm going to. How much does that mess with your confidence of having people want to doubt you, you know, then getting into WWE and that not working out the way that you want it to work out the release between you and Mike? What was that like for you guys during that time, during the COVID situation? You've got two little babies at home. Like what was going on? It was almost like a pinball machine or something. It was like, okay, I just had a baby. And then eight weeks later, we're released. And now we're in COVID time. And it was all this like back and forth. And it was trying to just find your center and all of it because you were mad because you had to stay home all the time. You were mad because there weren't any places to work. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm so angry or I I need a job or I'm so motivated to get and then go out there and work house shows. You couldn't do that. So there's all this energy that you have. And so you can't do that. And for me, I was eight, eight weeks postpartum. It took a while to like really start to settle down because, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knew what was going to happen with COVID. And so finally, our contracts were up in July. And so finally, we were like, okay, we've got to start figuring out what we were going to do. So we started reaching out. And like we had already been reached out to by a lot of promotions. Mike started going back out there, which was terrifying because it was like, okay, he's going out there. There's this virus that we don't know enough about. And I'm home with a newborn and a two-year-old. So You know, he started going back out there little by little, but because Ring of Honor did such a good job of protecting everyone, we had this bubble, everyone was tested like three times, you were tested before you left the house. I felt a lot safer. And so then the time came where they called me. They were like, we have this idea for you. And I was like, okay, I have an idea too. You guys don't have a women's division. And they said, that's our idea. They had the idea of me coming in and producing the women's division, and I wanted to come in and produce the women's division. So then it was just timing. Once I knew that was happening, that was like, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. But up until then, it was just ping ponging back and forth of like, okay, what direction are we going to go? But I'm so glad that we landed where we did. Certainly. And now to be able to see everything that you're doing and being at the pinnacle of the women's division there. What are all the things that you want to achieve? What do you want the women's division to be there? I would really just like for it to not be kind of like a special event. Every time women have matches, I would just like it to be part of the show. You know, I would really like whole characters. We get very um, into these boxes of women can only be strong or women can only be weak or women can only be this or that. And I want to get out of that habit. I've really tried to tell my girls to tell me more of your story. Let's get it out there. Let's get more of the person you are because the person you are is amazing. It's just a matter of letting everybody know who you are. So that's another piece of it for me. Right now, we just have the Women's World Championship. I'd like to get a tag championship out there. I'd also like to um, have a pure division because pure wrestling is becoming such a 
a huge thing as far as the men are concerned. And so now I'd like to bring more of that with our women's division. We have a lot of good women for that. So those type of things I would like to have an all women's show at some point that's like a pay-per-view. We do have an all women's show right now. I think we're at week 24 of doing it. Every Wednesday, it's um, Women's Division Wednesday. So I want to keep that going. I'd like to have two or three matches a week rather than just one match a week. So there's a lot of different things out there. But the biggest thing to me is to make the women's characters more whole and to make them, you know, more well-rounded. Is there anyone that you see that is um, doing a good job of pulling that off right now? There's several women that I think are doing that. Trisha Dora is fantastic. She has done a fantastic job of telling her story, but then also being a badass in the ring. She has a cause and she's able to keep that out there while she's building this amazing career. So I think she is definitely one of them um, that's doing a good job of it. Willow is probably one of the best promos um, that's out there right now because she's just Willow. It doesn't matter if you're talking to her backstage or if you're talking to her in the ring. That's just who she is. And it's more real to me than it's ever been as far as, you know, her promos. And I really like that. And I'm also trying to blend reality with wrestling. Not so much that it takes away from the matches themselves, but to where when you're watching a show, it's almost like you're watching your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed. And it feels more like a camera should be there. And my camera operator and producer that um, does all of the backstage segments. He's fantastic with that, but it's definitely something that we're focused on. Um, His name is Zane and he, he doesn't get the credit he deserves, but like I have a fantastic team. Speaking of doesn't get the credit that they deserve. I think that that's something that really kind of describes you. I feel like you are somebody, I mean, as we've just been saying during this interview, it's like you obviously work so damn hard at what you do and you are not deterred by a no or a roadblock or whatever. You find a way, if the door is closed, you find a window that's open, you find a crack in the wall, you're going to figure that shit out. And then working every different promotion, working in so many different positions within the world of professional wrestling. Do you think that you get the respect that you deserve? I know the answer is obviously hell no, but talk to me about this. Why do you think that is? I don't get it. So Mike and I always joke that we're not the cool kids. (laughs) And I feel like that's part of it, but that's okay to me. I never really cared about that. I didn't care about being popular. For me, it's about putting the best product out there, but also supporting as many humans as I possibly can. And sometimes while you're doing that, you piss people off. And sometimes while you're doing that, you go in a direction that people are afraid of. And that's okay to me. I grew up with a father that was very loud and very harsh at times. Nobody scares me like my father did when I was a kid. And so to go up a against these different roadblocks or these no's or whatever, that doesn't affect me. And so I'm willing to do it because I know that there's a bigger purpose behind it. And I enjoy creating those opportunities. And so if I don't get the credit, it's okay because I see other people succeeding. And that's really important to me. You know, I feel like there are little glimpses. I mean, like I know, you know, when you came back, you said you were working with Paul Heyman. And I know there was an interview that he was doing and he was talking about you being such a 
creative, clever mind in the world of wrestling. So I mean, to have somebody like Paul Heyman be able, I mean, obviously he sees that in you. What was your working relationship like with him? It's funny because I still work with him and like I ask him stuff. I want his feedback. I want to know what he thinks. When I started in wrestling, I worked originally down in Ohio Valley Wrestling and Paul was writing the show. He invited me to come early and to read the script and to see what he had planned out for other people. And I was dating punk at the time. So it was the both of them that I was literally getting an education on wrestling, the history of wrestling, every part of wrestling. I was learning from both of them. You know, I've always had a fantastic relationship with him. And do we butt heads? Of course we do. But I think that's what I like is that he's a person that will challenge me on something. And he also thinks like I can conquer mountains. And so I do. <laughs> the best. Like, cause I've, I've had conversations like that with Paul as well. I mean, I've always really enjoyed working with Heyman and he has given me great advice throughout my career, but he really is that motivated. You're like, you're damn right. I can go do this. He's so good at pumping you up to just go conquer whatever the hell happens to be in front of you. I said to him the other day, I was like, I hope I'm doing a good job. I hope I'm successful. And he's like, you already are. And I was like, yeah, I am. (laughs) You're damn right. You're (laughs) damn right. How do you have time to do everything that you're doing? Because you also have other businesses as well, right? Mike is a huge supporter of everything that I do. And, you know, we work really well together. The kids also, they go to daycare a couple of days a week. My mom is right down the road from us and she helps out. So it's a team effort. And, you know, without everybody helping, there's no way to do this. And there was this quote that I heard. It was Shonda Rhimes. And she said, I'm always failing at something. And that's how I feel. She was talking about having kids and then also having a career. And I'm always failing at something. I mean, hard to keep that ball afloat. Good God. You have to choose like what is the most important thing at this moment. So I always try and make sure I have a couple of hours before bed with the kids and that is devoted to them. No phones, no nothing. And I, you know, try and do that whenever I can. And then, um, you know, as far as like, I wake up so early, I'm up at four. What time do your kids get up? Um, So usually everybody is up at by five thirty, six o'clock. So like, damn, early risers. I did everything that you're supposed to do. We have a routine and and like all this stuff. No, my kids eight o'clock at night and we'll be up at like six thirty if I'm blessed and lucky and made them run a marathon before bed. Yeah, I wake up early and like for the first like half hour to hour, usually it's just me in bed, like checking emails and doing all of that kind of fun stuff. But I don't always get everything done. I just try and do my best. With big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights. Because right now you can place your first bet risk free. That's right. You're going to get up to 1000 bucks back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There's parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. FanDuel is the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's incredibly easy to use. It's such a no-brainer. Plus, it's safe and secure and real quick fast payouts. You get that money right back in your pocket. ASAP. One of my favorite features. You got to stay rich, you know, keep that money in your bank account. This app is so easy to use that when you win, you actually get paid in as little as two hours. 
So with FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That is why they are America's number one sports book. So sign up with the promo code Renee to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That is promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Talk to me about working with Mike. You guys have worked together for some time. You've done so many different things together. Why does that working relationship work so well between the two of you? Because he always compliments me and I always criticize him. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) No, I mean, we know each other's buttons and we know not to push them. And we're best friends. I mean, first and foremost, that's what we are. I, I don't know what would happen. Like for some reason we couldn't be together or whatever. I would lose my best friend too. And I enjoy his company. He's just fun to hang out with. And he knows that sometimes I just need someone to listen. And he's really, really good at it. He also knows that he needs a kick in the butt sometimes. And that's what I do. And so it's this nice working relationship. We don't take offense to work stuff at home. That's work. Okay. That's, that's great. And I I love wrestling. I love the wrestling industry. But at the end of the day, how many years of my life is that going to be in comparison to how many years am I going to live? And um, I still want to have a marriage whenever I decide to retire. Yeah, that would be nice. Again, I love wrestling. I do. But at a certain point, nobody wants to see me in tight clothes anymore. And at some point, you know, it's going to have to be passed along to someone else. And so, yeah, I still want a marriage after that. And so we always try and remember to take care of our marriage first. You guys have been very open about Mike's addictions. I mean, we did an interview in WWE years ago talking about that. How has that journey been for you? I mean, you know, we've, we've, I've talked to Mike and and had that conversation with him when we did that interview, but with you being his spouse, what is that like for you being on that journey? The first part of his recovery, I shut off. Like I was just like, okay, we are going to get you through this and you're going to live and we're not going to lose our jobs. And, you know, so it was a lot of that. Plus I was pregnant. It all happened at once. That's right. So he told me he had this painkiller addiction. And then two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. I was like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> am I going to do? So I had to really shut my brain and my emotions down completely and just like power through. But I think now is actually the first time that I've realized what effect his addiction and his recovery had on me. And so that's something like that's part of the reason why I'm so like so dedicated to tag me in and to the mental health initiative is because you don't know when those things are going to creep up on you. Like all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I need to deal with me now. Like, all right, what did this mean for my life and my career? Because 
I spent four years of my life taking care of an addict and I didn't even realize I was taking care of an addict. And those are some of the, you know, the, the best years of my life, as people like to say. I don't think that they were, but you know, I was early 30s at that point. And then then it was like baby and then baby. And I didn't really think about me. And so now I am. And it's weird how that hits you. Yeah, I I bet. I mean, like you said, for it to come in waves like that, because you you I feel like as the woman as well, I'm just kind of putting on like my own hat if I were in a situation like this, but like we can be very like, let's take care of everybody else except for me. I will put my head down and we're going to just get through this any way that we can. And then, yeah, once you kind of come up for air again and take a look around, it's like, holy shit, how did this affect me? It's like you you go on a trip with all the kids and you bring everything for them. And then you're like, oh, shit, I don't even have any underwear. And that, I think, happened for many years. And so now I'm dealing with it. But it helps me to work. It helps me to, you know, start telling the story of like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, after helping someone with their own addictions, their own recovery, their own mental health, it's okay to now start focusing on yourself and to take care of yourself. And so I've been trying to do more of, and more of that. Yeah. What does that look like for you taking care of yourself and prioritizing yourself? Getting out of my house. Um, I was so afraid of, you know, leaving my kids with anybody for the longest time. And I was so afraid of not taking care of me. And so recently I've started planning trips to like go to Florida and do some photo shoots and also spend a couple of days on the beach or go to the city and get a massage, you know, stuff like that, where I can just turn everything else off and focus on me and yeah, I'm reconnecting with people too. reconnecting with friends. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the the tag me in initiative and it's so important to have these conversations and keep talking about these situations in our mental health and what is going on with everybody. I don't want to say especially in the world of wrestling, but I do think it is important for these wrestlers and people that are these larger than life personalities to show those vulnerabilities and show who you are as human beings. What's the status of your mental health right now? I'm the happiest I've ever been. I think it's weird because the other day I was um, driving in the car and I was like, I'm really happy. Like my kids are to a place where they aren't screaming every two seconds. Like it's every you know five at this point. And they're in a really good place. They like their daycare. They like their routine. Um, my husband's doing really well. Like he's starting to get the accolades he deserves. And you know, he's totally switched up his wrestling. And so now he's you know doing the wrestling he wants to do. And so he's happy. And so I'm actually able to like self-reflect at this point because everybody else is taken care of. So I'm really happy. I feel like for the first time, I'm doing the job that I was meant to do. I fought for this job for a long time. I asked for it in WWE the last time I was there. I was told no. And this is the job that I wanted. I wanted the job of producing female talent, producing a division, really starting to tell their stories. So for me, that's so fulfilling that, yeah, I'm the happiest I've ever been. <laughs> what a great answer. I don't makes me sound terrible, but like, I am. Yeah. You're, you're doing the thing that you want to do. And I mean, you know, even though there's other, you know, there's other shit that's going on in the world, but that doesn't take away from like the years and years of work that you have been 
putting yourself in to now finally be able to be in a position to be in the position that you want to be in. Like that deserves a lot of recognition because it, it is a lot of work. And it's not that thing that just comes overnight. You can't just knock on someone's door and go, this is a thing that I want to do because it just doesn't work like that. So to be able to have finally the right people to support you and back you up and see the value that you're bringing to this job is awesome. And yeah, it's all those years of work that have put you in that spot. It's very, very cool. Thank you. Um, it's like that overnight success thing, like the myth of overnight success. Exactly. 17 years of, of that, of taking a little bit and learning from everyone and putting it all together. And I went to college for um, event management too. So like that helps with one piece of it, the production aspect of it. And then, you know, the years and years of uh, wrestling and being terrible wrestler, but wrestling, you know, that helps with that part of it. It's all of those things over those 17 years um, that I feel like got me here, but it's a good place to be. Doing the Tag Me In um, initiative was something that is important to you. And, you know, again, you've been able to see so many things, the ups and downs of everything in the wrestling world. Why do you think it's so important now for the wrestling community to really be involved in the mental health space? Initially, when I started connecting with all the um, like the core group that came together for Tag Me In, it was after Ashley Massaro passed away. And that's when we all started reaching out to each other. I was like, hey, are you okay? Like, uh, do you need anything? Can I support you in some way? And because of that, many of us still talked after that. Then when Daphne passed, we got to do something. You know, she brought us all together and I didn't know Daphne well, but the people that did, they loved her. My partner that helps me with the women's division, Bobby Cruz, was very close to her. Seeing him in agony like that. I mean, wrestlers, they have so many people that care for them, but they can't always see it. And sometimes it takes us all coming together and saying, yes, it's okay to express your feelings or to see someone else do it. It helps. It helps to come together as a community. Because as you said, we're larger than life characters. So how could you have some deep, dark secret? How could you have you know, a mental health problem? How could you be sad? You have so much, you know, that's the opinion. But in reality, that part of it, the celebrity part of it sometimes can feed into the mental health aspect of it. The fear of losing it or the fear of, am I not going to live up to these expectations? And I know for me, that still happens. That still creeps in. It's like, am I living up to the hype? To see other people talking about it. I know for me, just seeing Chris Jericho talk about it, someone like that, I, that I grew up watching, it affected me in a real way. So that's why it's so important to me. And that's why I think it's so important to the wrestling community, not just the wrestlers, but the fans that watch too, because maybe this will open it up to them to start talking about it. I hope that this continues to grow. I hope that we can do more for people that have mental health issues. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I'm happy that um, the conversation has at least, not that it's just started, but that it's more out there, making it more of a prevalent conversation. Well, look, I mean, I've been able to take up a bunch of your time today and I really appreciate it. But the last thing I wanted to ask you, um, just because you've done it all, you've done it all and you just said you're in the best spot um, that you could possibly be. What else do you want to do? 
What else is on your bucket list? I feel like you are a person that has a vision and you've got ideas for things that you want to do. What else is left on there? We're talking consistently about unity in the wrestling industry right now. And we've seen so much crossover between different companies. And we've seen, you know, that everybody is friendly and everybody does want to work together. I'd like to see more of that. And I'd like to see a show that was based on that. And I don't know how it gets done, but I know. You just call it the forbidden door. See what happens. <laughs> I would like a festival that is based on the idea of unity and just all coming together and just make it a huge party of wrestlers and music and atmosphere and just celebrate wrestling. Uh, I'd like to see the Ring of Honor Women's Division work more with other companies. I was just on a call with Gail and Mickey talking about tag me in and we were all talking like, how can we work together more? And so we're going to consistently try and figure out those ideas of working together more. So I, I think it's that. And I also, I'm still a crusader for getting a union at some point. And now everybody's going to take that and go, you can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Unions can have levels. And I truly believe that. And I truly believe that every company does not need to be a part of it in order for it to work for everyone. And I think that, you know, to have that, that insurance and that assurance that we're all being taken care of would be nice. I think it's necessary at some point. Again, it's not across the board. It's just the idea of having those practices in place. For more Ring of Honor, are we going to see like drawings of wrestling? Should the tapes not resurface from the I'm being held hostage. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be like, okay, and now this is a suplex. See, this is this is what the hex did to the allure. That's they did this. Like, I don't know. Like, what's gonna happen? Hand over the tapes, you coward. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like a national story. Like it was on like CNN and like uh, it's just yeah. Crazy. Absolutely bonkers. All right, cool. Well, guys, make sure you check out Ring of Honor. Make sure you're checking out all things that Maria Canals is working on because this chick, she's going places, believe it or not. She's doing it all. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. A big thank you to Maria for joining me today on Oral Sessions. Uh, make sure to follow, subscribe, check out my YouTube page look up Renee Paquette. It'll all pop up there. All of these interviews end up on that YouTube page. So if you want to see what you are hearing, that is the place to go. Sometimes you want a visual, you know? I know I like that. There's definitely the podcast that I listen to that I thoroughly appreciate uh, the video component being added on there. So you guys also have that option. Um, you know where to follow me at Renee Paquette on Instagram and Twitter. And also make sure to check out the volume sports, both Instagram and Twitter for that. Many different podcasts all put on by the fantastic Colin Cowherd. This man has given us all such a great platform with our podcast to get them out there to the people. So check them all out. And until next time, enjoy all of the oral sessions. That sounds perverted. That's not what I meant. But hey, you do you. <laughs> <laughs>